Chapter Four of From Slave Cabin to Pulpit by Peter Randolph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four My Friends. In this chapter, I desire to mention some of the businessmen and firms that gave me employment during my earlier struggles in Boston. And it goes without saying that the business community today in Boston is not the business community of forty five or fifty years ago when I came to the city. Many of the names I shall mention have closed their final accounts on this earth and have gone to join the silent majority. If some of the prominent merchants of forty years ago could be permitted to return again to the active scenes of their commercial life and behold the mammoth and towering business blocks, cars flying through the streets without horses, and see their old aristocratic homes turned into dry goods houses, I imagine they would ask some stranger, what city is this? I am pleased to say there are still living children and grandchildren of many of these old families who have been kind and thoughtful to me because of my long and intimate acquaintance with their parents. I feel that I owe them a debt of gratitude because in the midst of these radical changes they have not forgotten their fathers or the principles which they espoused. I do not think it improper or out of taste for me to mention some of these my early and lifelong friends. There was the well-known firm of Joseph Dix and Brown, the junior partner of which was Mr. J. C. Elms, who is now the honored president of the Shoe and Leather Bank of Boston. I would also mention the firms of Isaac Fenno, Michael Simpson, of the Sackville Carpet Company, William Bond and Son, Mr. T. C. Marion, the firm of Little and Brown, the Boston Transcript, then in charge of Messrs. Henry W. Dutton and Daniel Haskell, the well-known merchant, Mr. Henry Callender, Mr. Morey, and the House of Merritt and Mullen, Mr. Tyler Batchelor of the firm of E.T. Batchelor and Company, shoe manufacturers, Mr. Charles Adams, William B. Spooner, and Ezekias Chase. These are some of the firms and businessmen I worked for years ago. Most of these had implicit confidence in me and usually trusted me with their keys. Many pleasant anecdotes might be related in connection with some of these, and here I will return and speak of a few in detail. During my engagement with Mr. C. Marion, I must say I knew little or nothing about how business should be conducted. I was as green as a cucumber, but was instructed by one of the clerks, Mr. Baker, to make a deposit at the bank. On entering the bank, I handed over to the cashier the money and book, who took the same and said it was all right and kept the book. I was much perplexed and excited because he had taken the money and did not return the book. In my perplexed condition, I hastened back to the office and began to relate my story, how the bank man had possession of the money and book and refused to return the book of deposit. I thought sure the cashier had taken advantage of me. When Mr. Baker and the other clerks saw my earnestness and excited condition about the matter, they began to laugh and rather enjoyed it at my expense, but Mr. Baker explained to me afterward that he forgot to tell me that it was time for the book to be posted and the cashier kept it for that purpose. These gentlemen have stepped off the stage of action, but their memory to me is fraught with nothing but kindness. 
while employed with the firm of little and brown the latter manifested his interest in me by securing for me the janitorship of harvard college buildings he urged me to take the situation but i refused because i did not feel myself competent to assume such a place and responsibility years after i left the transcript office mr henry dutton or some of the family would always remind me of thanksgiving by seeing to it that i had the typical new england dinner turkey with fixings mr daniel haskell of the transcript was a great help to me in getting my little book sketches of slave life before the public he gave publicity to it through the columns of his paper, and said in his editorial that he had seen more in the little pamphlet than he had read in volumes on the subject of slavery. From this announcement there was a great demand for my little book, and I was compelled to issue a second edition. Mr. Henry Callender, of whom I spoke, and whose family has remained among my warmest friends, was also much help to me in my work at Richmond, Virginia, among the freedmen at the close of the war, of which I shall speak later. The way in which I got acquainted with Mr. Frank Merritt, of the firm of Merritt and Mullen, was a little singular. He wanted a man to work for him, and Mr. W. B. Morey, with whom I was engaged, recommended me we talked the matter over and came to an agreement finally he remarked that as he did not know me he wished me to come to his house every morning and get the keys this gave me the impression that he did not want to trust me with the keys overnight and i said to him sir i try to act on the square with all mankind he looked sharply at me and said are you a mason i answered in the affirmative he said nothing more, but gave me the keys to carry day and night. I gave a lecture in one of the colored churches on the misery and folly of idleness. Mr. Merritt made it convenient to come and hear me. Afterward, whenever in his store he saw a place where the feather duster did not reach or a stray cobweb about, he would remind me of that lecture, intimating that I should practice what I preached. Mr. Merritt was thoughtful and kind to me and though a universalist he was a true friend to the poor and the oppressed during my stay with mr tyler bachelor mr charles adams whom i have already mentioned in the list of my friends asked me to wash up his floor he inquired how much i wanted for the same i told him i wanted three dollars a day why he said deacon for that was the name they called me that is as much as they get in the legislature again i reminded him that my work was worth more Mr. Adams was a member of the legislature and often joked me because I said I was worth more per day scrubbing floors than he was in making laws for the state of Massachusetts. He was afterward elected state treasurer, but continued my warm friend. Oh, how happily I recall those good old times of friendship and goodwill. Among my list of friends, I must not forget to mention Messrs. Frederick and George Batchelor, who took much interest in me and always stood ready to help me. At the memorial meeting held by the merchants of Boston in honor of Mr. George Batchelor, I was one of the number that was to make an address. Of course, most of the gentlemen assembled were merchants, prominent and successful. I, though a colored man, with humble occupation, and the only one among them, felt and sympathized with them on account of the loss of a valuable friend. Those who spoke had their notes with them, and doubtless I may have had some of that feeling that accompanies a strange cat in a strange garret, but I was there to speak just as I felt. 
when i arose to speak without notes my friends exhibited no little anxiety for they thought i would fail at the close of the exercises however i was highly congratulated a day or two afterward a reporter of a new york paper who was present came and asked for my written address as he had others i informed him that i had none and that he would have to write what he remembered in the new york paper he reported a good analysis of my address what old resident of boston does not remember william b spooner the great temperance advocate he was among my earliest friends and i cannot close this chapter without giving him a passing comment he was a man ready to talk with me on all subjects secular and religious though he was a unitarian and i a baptist yet we agreed on many important points because we both thought man ought to be good on one occasion in the course of our conversation i made the remark that ever since i came out of slavery i had been trying to make a man of myself as i was passing his office one day he called me into his counting-room and said randolph you told me something a year or two ago that i have been thinking about he kept me in suspense for a little while for as we had talked over many things i could not recall what it was finally he said you told me some time ago that you had tried to make a man of yourself ever since you had left slavery i think said he you have succeeded very well mr spooner was a great help to me in my work among the colored people in the south at the close of the war he made a visit in that section and on his return north gave a good account of my work in this connection i do not want to forget my old friend mr nathaniel connor of the firm of n jones and company he belongs in the first rank with many others of my warm friends the last but not least of those of whom i now speak in detail is deacon ezekias chase well known in boston for his generous spirit and christian principles i will return and speak of him in connection with my church work in boston End of chapter 4